You're listening to the sermon audio from Covenant Church at Tuscaloosa. Our prayers that this encourages you in the Lord. That is good news, church. You can be seated. Thank you, Joseph. Well, good morning. Uh, I mean, from a different location within the service. And so, it is so good um, to be before you this morning. Um, what a grace this is. Um, just to be handling the word of the Lord before you. Um, and so, as we wrap up the book of Revelations, Ephesians. I'm just kidding. I was making sure everybody was paying attention. But as we wrap up the the book of Ephesians this morning. And so I'm going to read the text, um, and then I will pray, and then we will dive in. And so this is God's authoritative word. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. And then there's this word. It starts with a T, and you can pronounce it a lot of different ways. Uh, Tukikos was like the original translation. It's pretty difficult to say because it would get stuck in my southern accent for sure. And then Mr. T, I thought about that. All right, but I think Tychicus, and I probably butcher that a couple times because we'll use it a lot, but Tychicus is where we're going to try to land. So Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to you, brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Let us pray. So, Father, this morning... God, I pray that you're magnified. Um, God, we can only come to you this morning and praise you because the tomb was empty. And so, God, we just, we worshiped, straight worshiped because of that this morning. And so, God, we're so thankful for that. And so, God, I pray that just for the next uh, few minutes, our time together in the Word, God, I pray that you move me aside, allow your Holy Spirit to move. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. And so many of you know, but I'm Brandon Tao. I'm one of the elders here at Covenant Church. And so, um, you know, we typically go through um, Scripture verse by verse through books of the Bible. And we've done that for the past several months now in the book of Ephesians. And so, you know, our elders will share the pulpit. And it's so good because you can see the plurality in that. And then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually be stepping, as we finish this, we're going to step into an emphasis series all right, I just told you we go verse by verse through books of the Bible, but I mean we're emphasizing several different books of the Bible, and then in August we're going to hit our core foundations about who we are as Covenant Church, and so we've got some really exciting things planned coming up, but we're going to be closing out this letter today, all right, and so it's so important. It is vitally important for us to understand Scripture, and that's really the reason that, that personally I like traveling through verse by verse is because we can set the context. You know, because it's so easy for us to hear things like last week, the armor of God. It's so easy to just jump in there and snatch something out practically and try to beat ourselves over the head with it. Or, watch this, we can say, children, obey your parents, right? We use that all the time, <laughs> for sure. But it's easy to just kind of pull those out of context and use those to fit our agenda versus letting the Lord show us where he needs us to be as we practically walk through this. So it maximizes the true gospel of Jesus Christ as we walk through this. And so, we find ourselves here today. 
when we find ourselves with Paul wrapping up this letter, okay? I mean, if you remember, where's he writing this letter from? He's in prison, right? I mean, that hasn't changed. I mean, he started this letter in prison, and now he's ending this letter. So I want you to feel that, because I think it's going to be vitally important to understand the context of who Tychicus is, what his plan is, who he was, and who he essentially is going to be, or what he did back then. All right, and so he's ending this letter, writing this letter in prison. Listen to this. So that. That's how Paul starts it. So that. Anytime you hear that emphatic phrase, man, it's, it's, hang on, okay? In Scripture, we hear so that. Anytime we hear that, it's typically just this gospel nugget waiting to be dropped on us. And we see, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. And so Paul is trying, again, he's in prison, right? He's writing this letter back to a people group, okay, that ultimately Tychicus is going to carry back and read to the group of people. But see, he's trying to kill this uncertainty because the people know he's in prison, all right? So this uncertainty produces uneasiness. Now, translate that into, into our world, right? Fear, uncertainty, doubt. I call it FUD, F-U-D, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. A lot of times, it's, self, it, it, it's self-imposed, okay? It, it's self-imposed a lot of times, but sometimes it comes from other sources, right? Think about it. We've seen it over the past couple of years. That We've seen fear, uncertainty, and doubt, especially over the past two years. There's been things, mainstream media, like all these things happen and we're like, man, what's going on, right? Listen, the fear, the uncertainty, and the doubt is nothing more at its deepest fundamental element, a lack of belief in the person and the work of Jesus. Because this fear, because of our flesh being weak, it attacks us at our core and we become scared. We're like, oh man, whether it's health, Practical things now, mind you. I mean, absolutely practical things. Health, jobs, relocation, family, like typical things. I mean, things happen. But because of our lack of unbelief, and I'm talking to myself, I promise you, it's so easy for us to feed in to the fear or the uncertainty or the doubt. And we're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And we become frustrated. Paul was saying, listen, guys, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, have confidence. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Now look, we're going to flesh this out here shortly because it could appear that Tychicus was from Ephesus. Okay. Now, the thing is, think about our church here. Okay. Some people have been here for a while. Some people are new. Think about their church there, okay? People may know Paul, all right? People may not know Tychicus. So by them saying, we're sending Tychicus, the people that are hearing that are like, man, I just don't know. I mean, is this guy reliable? You know what I'm saying? I just, I don't know. And so, so check this out. So I had this illustration. I love sports. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I try not to use a sports illustration. Holly's like, goodness gracious. But all right, so check this out. Imagine that you are a five-star recruit, okay? You're on the defensive side of the ball, you're a safety, and you're getting ready to, to take it to the next level, all right? And so you get a knock on the door. This dude named Dave Clawson walks in. I mean, does anybody know who Dave Clawson is? 
All right, so he's the head coach at Wake Forest. All right, I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? I mean, they have cool colors. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a neat school. Like, tell me, if you get an education, this is no disrespect to you, but, but if you get an education there, it's pretty, I mean, it's a great education for sure. Football-wise, he's like, listen, man, we'd love for you to change the, the whole dynamic of our program. When he leaves, you're like, man, that would be awesome. The next day, all right, this guy, Dave Kelly, comes to the door. You open the door, sweat beading off his head. You're like, Dave, what's up? Come on in. He talks to you. Does anybody know who Dave, Dave Kelly is? So he's the safeties coach for Alabama. All right. You know he's sent from Nick Saban, so you're hanging on every word that he says because Nick Saban is the best at what he does defensively, independent of whatever, school-wise. He's very good defensively, and you're going to listen. You're going to be like, oh, man, you know what? If you think I can go pro, I probably can. You're hanging on every word he says. And so here's the thing. When Paul said, Tychicus is coming to you, I really feel like that church would be like, oh, my gosh. We're going to hang on every word that this guy said because he came directly from Paul. So let's see who Tychicus was. Let's look at Acts chapter 20, verse 4. I'm, I'm sorry, 20, verse 1. And so, as you, you know, hopefully you have your Bibles. If, if you do, you can turn there. If not, you can, you can, we have one for you here. But Acts 20, all right, verse 1. After the uproar ceased... All right, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through these regions, those regions, and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. Listen to this. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Okay, now, don't you just kind of remember some of these details, okay? Because we're going to kind of come back and hit a timeline here in a minute. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secondus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, that's a common name, right? I mean, that is Timothy. And the Asians, Tychicus, there he is, and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. And so we see that he was an Asian, all right? And so when we hear Asian, I mean, what's the first thing we think of? Like, we think of me, I think, I mean, I'm just telling you, this shows you where I'm at in my life right now, but I think of like fried rice, you know, like I think of like Chinese food and Japanese, I mean, just things like that. And so Holly's really been trying to get me on a diet and it's just not working, I'm telling you. But the thing is, is like, that's just, it's where, I'm, but, so, so listen to me here, the Asian here is essentially like Turkey or like the area of Ephesus, okay? So that's the word specifically that they're speaking of. Now, I don't have this on the screen, but I want to read to you from Acts uh, 21. Uh, starting in verse 27. When the seven days were almost complete. Listen to this. The Jews from Asia, all right, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people of the law of this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled the holy place. Listen to this. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian, Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city. And so we see in Acts 20, verse 4, Trophimus, Tychicus were together. They were from Asia. Trophimus for sure was an Ephesian. So we could somewhat assume that Tychicus was an Ephesian as well. And see, now it, it begins to change the whole game because we're like, okay, it makes sense that Paul has charged Tychicus to go back to Ephesus to talk to his people. Now, there, obviously, there's going to be new people there. Some he may know, some he may not. But it makes sense for him to be the one carrying that letter there. 
And so that's Acts 20. Let's look at Colossians. Let's see what Tychicus has for us here. Paul writing, Tychicus will tell you about all, or tell you all about my activities. He is, listen to this, a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know we are how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Let's look at Ephesians real quick. Same verbiage for the most part, except for fellow servant. So that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister. And then we see in verse 22, we see this. He's going to encourage your heart. So we see this similar language. All right. Now let's look in Titus. Titus 3.12. All right. 3.12 through 14. So as we, as we turn here, I want, you to, I want you to listen to this, okay? When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Now, again, this is Paul writing to Titus, okay, a pastor. He says, do your best to come to me. I mean, he's telling Titus, listen, I'm going to send either or. It really doesn't matter who we send because they're both qualified, right? So if I send one of these, or, or really when I send one of these men, do your best to come to me, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing and let our people, let our people, this gospel community learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful I want to read to you Titus 1.5 again Paul writing to Titus he tells him this this is why this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you and so Titus's charge in Crete was to organizationally set up the church from town to town, right? That was his game plan. At the end of Titus, Paul is saying, hey man, I'm going to send, we'll just use our example in this case, Tychicus your way, all right? When I send him, come to me. So all of a sudden, we see Tychicus playing this other role of an interim pastor for Titus at Crete. One more. Five times in the Bible, Tychicus is mentioned. This is the fifth one. Second Timothy 4 through 12. If you're in your Bible, you can flip back one page. 2 Timothy 4, 12. I'm actually going to start in verse 9 because I want to show you some, some overlay here, just as I did in Titus. <clears throat> Four, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 9 is where I'm going to start. Here we go. Do your best. Again, right? Paul writing to Timothy. Here we go. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Damascia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very, very useful to me for ministry. Here we go. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now, I've got 1 Timothy 1 on the screen, so you can see Paul setting up Timothy as he wrote the letter initially to him. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia. You remember in Acts 24, like we saw Macedonia, we saw Timothy, we saw everybody there together. All right, remain at Ephesus so that you may <clears throat> charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And so he gave them this charge. Basically to be a pastor there. To be able to... Um, teach these different doctrines but as we get to the end of Timothy 
we see, listen, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Come to me. Come to me as, do your best to come to me soon is exactly what Paul tells him. All right? So we see Tychicus being an interim pastor for Timothy here. Now, I want to show you just a quick timeline of how everything played out, and then we'll kind of jump to an all-inclusive slide about who Tychicus is. And so I hope you can see that. So here's what we've got. In about 56 A.D., now listen, think about this. The cross of Christ, the crucifixion, the grave being empty that we just worshipped about, unbelievable worship, very good stuff, Joseph. Like, that was 33 A.D., right? And again, I mean, this comes from blueletterbible.org. I mean, these are theologians and historians and scholars have rolled this up, so this is plus or minus a year, six whatever, right? But this is a very close snapshot of a time frame of how things played out in Paul's life the cross of Christ, the grave was empty, let's just say 23 years ago from this time period, right? I mean, literally. The gospel was fresh on these people's minds. People saw things, man, during that period of time. Could have potentially walked with Jesus, and that's like craziness pursued because they are absolutely trying to kill Paul, right? We saw that in Acts 24. Because the power, like human power, is at stake here. That has never been at stake before because the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is, is running rampant. The church is being formed naturally. And so we see this playing out in, in 56 AD. Now, if you look in the middle column too, you can see when Paul started pinning 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, and then before that we had Galatians and 1 and 2 Thessalonians. But as we roll down to like 60-ish AD, 61, 62, we can see in the middle column where Ephesians was written, Philippians was written, 1st and 2nd, Timothy, Titus. All right, so let's just say, for sake of argument, 56 AD is when Tychicus came on the scene. He was essentially with Paul seven to eight years, right? Studying under him, understanding what he did. He was here potentially at, obviously here at the prison, about to be a mailman, a courier to carry this letter. So he studied under him. Now, let's see who Tychicus was from an all-inclusive perspective to summarize the scripture that we went through. So in Acts 20, 1 through 5, we saw that he was an Asian Christian. Turkey, possibly Ephesus, just because of his association with Trophimus. We see he was a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant. He was an encourager of hearts. He was a mailman. He was an interim pastor. And so there was no task too small for Tychicus. I mean, there was no task too large. The church had a need. Take out the trash. Sweep the floor. I mean, obviously I'm putting it in our terms, but whatever. Open the door. Greet people love on people, Tychicus could do it. What drove him? It was the gospel. I mean, he absolutely, absolutely saw how the gospel is interwoven into every fabric of our life. And so I want to ask you, like, why do you do what you do? I mean, seriously, like where you're at in your life, the occupation you have, where you live, 
the people you see at the gas station? Do we truly see that every step along the way is nothing more than an intentional opportunity to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth? It's who we are. I mean, we're an extension of, of Tychicus. We're an extension of Paul. All because the tomb was empty. And the thing is, oftentimes, oftentimes, we don't want to do the small tasks. You know, there's tasks that we don't want to do. Because oftentimes, we, and I'm talking to myself, we're too either selfish or prideful or don't feel like it fits our gift set or whatever the case may be, and we don't want to do it even though there's a need because we feel like somebody else is going to pick up the slack. But I would say, thanks be to God, that here at Covenant Church, goodness gracious, we have people that are gifted, honestly, more importantly, people that do things because they want to not because they have to shout out to Mr. Rodney thank you for that but we do things you do things because you want to not because you have to and it's a it's a constant wheel that it's easy to get on it's easy to get on because things occur all of a sudden we see opportunities and the church comes People, have op people see opportunities, they bring them up, and execution arises. That's huge. Think about Titus and think about Timothy. What qualifications are in those two books, right? Elders and deacons. I mean, that's the qualifications laid out that Paul laid out for the church to be organized, the organizational structure for the church. That's where Tychicus is mentioned. He was essentially a pastor, he was essentially an elder, and he was essentially a servant leader, or basically a deacon. So I want to encourage you. We have so many people amongst us that are servant leaders. We have so many people amongst us that absolutely get after it each and every week, each and every day. But here's the thing, it's easy, I'm telling you, if we're isolated, if we're isolated and left alone to ourselves because of the fear, because of the uncertainty, because of the doubt, if we're isolated and we're not in gospel community, then we're not going to jump on those opportunities because we're going to play to our flesh versus try to lock hands with others and absolutely let the Spirit lead us. So that's why community groups are important. Men's equip is important. I mean, it's easy just, it's easy to, it's easy to just to walk in these doors on Sundays, walk out these doors on Sundays, and then walk in these doors on Sundays, and then all of a sudden, we have about 30 times a year that we're, that we're hearing the gospel. And so, it, it, we, have to, we have to be on guard in our own lives, in our own homes, to be intentional about teaching our kids the gospel so that we don't just walk in these doors one time a week and that be enough. I'm telling you, church, it's easy to do, man. It's so easy to do. Because before you know it, we'll be drifting not even realizing it. We'll be a speck in the water. Our brother and sister will be a speck in the water and we won't even realize it before we know it. We'll be sitting on the shore, can't even make them out who it is and they were standing beside us two or three years ago. It's so easy to do, church. That's why we have to take opportunities like this seriously and see Tychicus. Man, he would do whatever it took to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth, in the community that God's placed us in. You're all gifted uniquely. You're placed specifically for God's 
glory. And that's enough. That's enough. And so, let's move on to the last couple of verses here in Ephesians. And so, we see 22. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And then he jumps to verse 23. Peace be to you, brothers, and love with faith. And we see this love here. This is agape love. And this is, this is unconditional love. This is the love of Christ. Where does this peace come from? I mean, because peace is something that we hear, and it's like we, we try to wrap our minds around it. And Paul describes it. Peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 24, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So, this word incorruptible here, it's, it's pure, sincere. I mean, think about this word. Integrity. I mean, doing what we say we're going to do. Um, you know, it's easy, it's, it, it's so easy these days to just tell somebody what they want to hear. It's, it's, it's easy to do that. Just to, just to, I mean, honestly, from a selfish perspective, just to check the box, man, you know? We don't look at that as incorruptible. But the thing is, is how much do we care about our brother and sister? How much do we love our brother and sister, the one that the Lord has placed around us? So this word, corruption, it means destruction, perish, or eternal destruction. I pulled up just a phrase, and it was, it, it's, from, it's from Interpol, okay, an international organization. All right, listen to this. Because I feel like corruption is something that we, we see in just such a small blip here, but it's such an international, far-reaching event that I felt like it would be a good resource. The effects of corruption are far-reaching. It can undermine political, social, and economic stability and ultimately threaten the safety and security of society as a whole. Corruption creates a fertile ground for organized criminal activities, even terrorism, as criminals are aided in their illegal activities. Listen to this, by the complicity of corrupt, by the complicity of corrupt public officials. Economic globalization has made corruption a borderless crime. The competitive world of international business can leave companies exposed to bribes and fraudulent financial practices. Now here, obviously this is talking nine times out of ten, this is money and power, right? It's what corruption is associated with. But listen to what Paul is talking about here. With that in mind, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love and corruptible. He is saying, don't take advantage of the grace and the love with which I have given you so freely. You know, if you think about our timeline, he wrote Romans back in 56 A.D. And in Romans 7, he said, Shall we sin so that grace may abound? I mean, he addressed this. This is a war that Paul had within himself. I mean, the Paul of the Bible, right? That many of us struggle with internally, day to day. It's, it's the war for those of, that are redeemed. It's the war of, of sanctification, right? Flesh, spirit. He struggled with this. Him, Paul. I mean, shall we sin 
so that grace may abound. And he says, by no means. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to look at this grace here. Oh, grace be with all who love our Lord. It would be so easy to just check that box as he's wrapping up this letter. As we're hearing that letter to the church, we'll be like, oh, we got this. Because he just went over several different, they didn't have chapters then, but as we see it, several chapters of practical things, right? I mean, in chapter 5, we talked about the gospel being a picture of marriage. We talked about that. We talked about children. Obey your parents. Like, things that we couldn't definitely add up to. But if you were a legalistic person and you felt like you had all these boxes checked, it would be so easy to make it to this point and just be like, oh, Grace, we got this. We can take advantage of this. Basically, Paul is saying, love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I want you to think about this. If our heart is free from hypocrisy, it's free from corruption. So this prayer for peace that Paul is essentially praying as he's penning this letter is coupled with genuine love rooted and founded in the faith of Christ. And so some practical takeaways. Just as we wrap up this little section here, I want you to just remember. Remember who called you. Remember who sent you. I mean, for the redeemed, right? I mean, if you're here this morning, you're struggling, you're like, man, if the Lord hasn't relentlessly pursued you and chased you down and wrecked your life. Now, here's the deal. Paul, I mean, road to Damascus moment. Lights hit him. He hits his knee. I mean, absolute, unbelievable, radical conversion right there. Many of us, many of us may not have that story, but you know what? It's okay because it's a miracle for God to save any. Remember who called you. Remember who sent you. For those of you that are redeemed, it's huge, huge to remember that. Remember who the sustainer is. Again, I'm telling you, tomorrow, it's so easy to forget these things. I promise you. It's so easy. At 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever, just a mundane time, something crazy is going to happen, and it's going to be so easy to forget who has called you, and who keeps you. But, thanks be to God that we have the Holy Spirit that creates that awareness more often and more often and more often. <clears throat> and when we can see, when we can just begin to see the intentionality of the people that have surrounded us, the people that are in our family, the people within our workplace, the people at the gas, whatever the case may be, we are here to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. So remember who sent you. Remember who called you. Remember who keeps you. And then, I mean, practically, we should be able to execute, we should be able to do with that in mind. I mean, literally. It's definitely easier said than done. For sure. There's no doubt about it. It's easier said than done because, again, I promise you, it's probably going to be easier to remember (laughs) 
tomorrow at that time when you get frustrated, you're like, yep, I did. But that awareness is huge. The awareness of whose we are. The awareness that it's even a miracle for God to save any is amazing. And so here at Covenant Church, man, I'm telling you, I want to applaud you just covenant partners as we have events as we do things you guys have gotten after it with intentionality new folks a, a wave has been set a standard has been set to the older generation because look if you've been here at covenant church for three years or more um just raise your hand you're three years or longer at covenant church right all right five years or longer all right and then seven years or longer all right, and so here's the thing. Practically, I'm going to be honest. Man, it's easy. Like, it's easy. The longer you get down the line, the longer you're apart. Kids grow up, or you have kids, right? Amen. Gosh, my. And, and so uh, you move, you change jobs. Like, there's all these things that transpire, like practically. But the further you get in the life of a ministry, man, it's, it, it, it's hard if you're not plugged in. It's hard to be apart and to stay as, as you were to do things as you were in year one, two, and three, right? I mean, there's no doubt. Burnout is practical. Things like that are somewhat normal, but here's the key. Having that Tychicus mentality. I mean, surrounding ourselves with a gospel-centered community of people. Being able to see folks that are here in year one, two, and three allows us to have those constant reminders of, man, I remember that. I remember when somebody came to faith for the first time, or I remember seeing somebody fired up about an event for the first time, and it puts you back in that mentality, and it absolutely fires you back up once again. That's why the body's so important, man. That's why we can't come in this door one time a week. We, it doesn't matter if we meet for lunch during the week. It doesn't matter if we meet for community group. It doesn't matter. As often as we can. As intentional as we can. And so I want to commend you for doing what you're doing, but I want to challenge you. Because I'm just, again, speaking from experience, the further we get down the road, the easier it is to become complacent. There's no doubt. But, but, the Holy Spirit is working. And that's, honestly, thanks be to God for that. Because if it was up to us, we would have quit long ago. I promise you. If it was up to us, we would have quit long ago. And so the charge today is to do with the Holy Spirit in mind. Let us pray. And so, Father, you have been so gracious to your people. God, you have allowed us to, to walk through a letter written to a specific people group. And God, you've allowed that letter to come to life just for the past several months here at this church. God, you've allowed your Holy Spirit to work in several different ways that we don't even know. But there's people here, God, that it's effective. What a grace it is that you've allowed us to, to walk through your authoritative word, your living word, impact us God I thank you so much 
that you've called so many into this body. I thank you so much that you've saved. So God, during these final moments, God, I pray that we can worship you. I pray that we can just, just remove the distractions from our mind. And God, let us worship you like never before. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. It's in your name we pray. We'd like to thank you for listening to the sermon audio from Covenant Church at Tuscaloosa. If you have any questions or would like to know more about our church, you can visit our website at www.covchurchtusk.com or you can email info at covchurchtusk.com. God bless.